Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church of the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. As we continue our Old Testament journey through this season of ordinary time, there's a short season of ordinary time after Advent um, and before Lent. Um, We turn this week to the book of Psalms. Psalms is a a fantastic prayer book. It's kind of a a song book of of days gone by. Uh, It's uh, songs gifted to us from the people of Israel um, as as they... um, as they sung their songs to God, as they lifted their voices to God. Um, I, I love psalms. There's a psalm for every day of the week. Not that there's one that you should sing on Monday, but there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a song for every emotion that you could be going through, every experience that you could be going through. There are, there are happy psalms. There are praise psalms. There are lament psalms, imprecatory psalms, a psalm for every mood right? You've seen the, the mood color wheel, right? <laughs> There's a psalm for, for each one. It's the, the color wheel of, uh, the emotion color wheel of scripture. Um, for this sixth Sunday of Epiphany, which this year um, is the second one before, before Lent, second to the last one before Lent. We have, we have this Sunday, and then we have um, the final Sunday uh, in between um, Advent and Lent, um, which is called, which, which celebrates uh, transfiguration, the moment of transfiguration. So next week will be Transfiguration Sunday. Um, but the psalm text points us towards the 119th psalm. So 119th is kind of famous. Okay, anybody know anything about the 119th psalm? What do you know, Cindy? It's the longest psalm, yes. Is that what you were going to say, Brooklyn? Yeah, anybody else know anything about the 119th psalm? That was the first thing on my list. Say that again, Dave. Is the middle verse of the Bible? Okay, I didn't, I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that. I, I believe you. I believe you. You can, you can quote Dave on that one, not, not me. So it, it is the longest chapter in the whole book of the Bible. There's 176 verses in the 119th Psalm. So if you want a memorization project... Uh, I challenge you. Um, the structure is is an acrostic, okay? And so an acrostic meaning um, for each section of of verses, there's there's eight verses in each section of this psalm, and there's 22 sections. Um, each section starts in the Hebrew as as it's written in Hebrew. Start each line of that psalm. Uh, or that section of eight verses starts with a different letter, and they go all the way through the Hebrew alphabet. So the 22 letters times the eight verses is where you get 176 verses. There's some well-known verses in the 119th Psalm. Um, Your word is a light unto my feet, and uh, or sorry, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my 
path. Yes, that's verse 105. Um, verse 11, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Yes, verse 11. And verse 9, how can the young stay pure by living according to your word? Some, some pretty famous memory verses um, in the 119th Psalm. Our passage today, uh, as we look through it, um, is the first section, verses 1 through 8. Each line of this section of the psalm in the Hebrew language starts with the Hebrew letter that you likely see listed in your Bible, Aleph. I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation, but Aleph. Um, And so uh, that's going to be our our text for today. Um, Out of reverence for the reading of God's word, those who are willing and able, would you please stand? As we read Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8. Those whose way is blameless, who walk in the Lord's instruction, are truly happy. Those who guard God's laws are truly happy. They seek God with all their hearts. They don't even do anything wrong. They walk in God's ways. God, you have ordered that your decrees should be kept most carefully. How I wish my ways were strong when it comes to keeping your statutes. Then I wouldn't be ashamed when I examine all your commandments. I will give thanks to you with a heart that does right. As I learn your righteous rules, I will keep your statutes. Please don't leave me all alone. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please be seated. What mnemonic devices do you use? Mnemonic. Anybody know that word? M-N-E-M-N-O-M-O-N-I-C. Mnemonic devices. I got, I got confused there. M-N-E-M-O-N-I-C. Mnemonic devices. Who knows what a mnemonic device is? Somebody does. Yeah, Brooklyn. Yes, it's a device that you use, a little trick that you use to remember something, right? That's a mnemonic device, is a trick that you use to remember something. It's a, it's a memory, a means of, of remembering anything. Um, I've used knuckles to remember the days of the month. Have you learned that one? January, February, March, April, May. If you end up on a knuckle, then it's 31. If you're in a valley, it's 30. Have you done that before? Except for February. It's different. I've seen people do this to try to figure out which way to write their capital L's, right? Um, uh, anybody remember, as, as a younger person perhaps, um, motions to help remember songs, right? Like songs and motions to, to memorize verses or to remember something. I've seen and I've used all sorts of things. Sometimes I need them to remember the, the names of my kids. Um, <laughs> But I think writing Psalm 119 in this fashion, it's likely that it was, it was meant to help and to assist people who wanted to memorize, who wanted to learn this psalm. And that's quite a feat. 22, 22 different letters in the Hebrew alphabet represented in Psalm 119, each receiving eight verses of content. And for those with the quick head math, 176 verses to learn. 
And whether that's true or not, whether that was the reason for writing it in this way, what is crystal clear is that the 119th Psalm focuses on the Scriptures. It focuses on the Hebrew Scriptures and and what, for them, in that day, would have been their texts that they would have studied. The Torah. The Torah, which had been written down, the first five books of our Bible today, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Paul Hugh writes that, that no less than 173 of the 176, I didn't go through and check this, so I'm relying on his, on his testimony, mentioned the scriptures by some title or another. In our eight verses, it was described in this way, instruction, law, decrees, statutes, commandments, and rules. Six different ways that the word of God, the Torah of God, was mentioned in the eight verses that we just read. Um, Kidner has, has, has a longer list. Law, and this is for the whole, the whole psalm, the whole 119th psalm. Law and testimonies, precepts, statutes, commandments, ordinances, word, and promise. It's with these words that this whole psalm reminds us of the incredible value and the potential for change that's found in the scriptures of God. Kidner talks about each one of those represented by a different Hebrew word and translated to those words for us in the 119th Psalm. Now, the first three verses of the psalm are are fairly unique. The first three verses that we had the chance to read in this section are the only three verses not addressed to God in the whole psalm. If you, if you look at the, the fourth verse, that's when the psalmist begins to address God, and he sticks with it for the rest of the 176 verses. But these three verses that start out this psalm are the outlier. They're a bit unique for the 119th psalm. Now, in those verses, I, there's a word that I struggle with. A word that I struggle with as I find it in Scripture. I struggle with the word happy. Did you catch that in, in this, in this uh, passage? It says, those who walks, whose way is blameless, who walk in the Lord's instruction are truly happy. Those who guard God's laws are truly happy. Now, if you have a different translation, you might have a different word that's used in those verses. I struggle with the word, I, I think because it's so common. It's, it's used in our vernacular, used in our language so casually, um, used in so many ways. It kind of seems not weighty enough. And one of the, one of the common words in, in ways that it had been translated before is blessed. Blessed. They did this with, in the common English, they did this with the Beatitudes as well. Blessed are the poor in spirit. It says, happy are the poor in spirit. I struggle with the word blessed as well. It does seem weightier. It does seem like there, there's something more significant about that word of being blessed. But the problem that I have with the word blessed is that there seems to be some sort of blessing of God, like God's going to act and bestow more blessing on those whose walk or those who walk in the Lord's instruction. 
Kind of this idea that, that we get some sort of immediate reward, some sort of some accolades or some benefit for following the instruction of God. And while that might, that might seem right, might get us excited, let me tell you this. I truly believe that our action or our inaction does not force the hand of God towards blessing us. It's not a, a means of control, a means of manipulation. Oh, I want God to bless me, so I'm going to be obedient. Why do I say that? That sort of belief, that sort of teaching, that sort of understanding of, of kind of reciprocal movement of God, I'm going to, to follow instruction that God might bless me, leads to a pretty scary place something that's kind of recently been termed, termed the prosperity gospel. That if I, if I believe in Jesus, if I do what he says, if I follow the word, then, then my life's going to have this prosperity. It's going to look good. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be successful. My needs are all be met. It leans towards do what's right, and life's going to be rainbows. Recently, I went, I went and attended a conference held in Nampa on our campus at NNU. It was, it was really good. But one of the terms that the speaker used that has just landed with me and, and speaks to what I believe the psalmist is trying to say here is the term wholeheartedness. You see, I want to live a, a wholehearted life. I want to live a wholehearted life, a, a life that is whole and intentional and good, good like Tove that we talked about a couple months ago, worthy of my whole heart and my whole self, worthy of all my investment, worthy of, of offering everything that I can into that life. And I think, I think, that's what the psalmist is, is describing here. Not, not blessing like God owes us a favor. God, I, I did what I was supposed to do. Now it's your turn. Come on, send the money, send the paycheck, send the blessing my way. Not happy like everything's, oh, yay, we're so happy. It's, I can smile today. Sunshine, rainbows, and cotton candy. Those whose walk is blameless, those who follow the instruction of God, who guard God's laws, who seek God with their whole heart, live this type of wholehearted life, full and complete and fulfilled, doing what we were meant to do, living full and complete lives. These three verses these are the setup for the other 173 that will follow in the 119th Psalm. These three verses invite us to live a different sort of way. Not where God's kind of this, this side gig that we do, not where God is like a part of who we are, but the one who takes the word of God, the very scripture of God, and lets their life be based on it, get to live wholehearted, full and complete lives. 
Then this psalm turns. First verse, or first word of verse four, God. And the psalmist then begins to address God. First, we have this, this edict, this instruction from God. What has God asked us to do? The first thing he says is keep and tend to the scripture carefully. Keep and tend to the scripture carefully. Find out what it says. Make sure you know what it says. Make sure that you are aware. That you understand and you follow it. I'll tell you, there's a lot of people living according to philosophies out in the world today that are not scriptural, right? The, the 21st century philosopher is the meme artist, right? <laughs> Find a funny picture, put some funny words, and then broadcast it to, through social media and get people to laugh, right? Um, who are the philosophers, the, the, the meme creators, the tweeters, the cable news, the radio talk shows? They'll all have this way of saying, this is how life is supposed to be ordered. This is what it looks like. Let me, let me pull together these things from the world today and tell you how they fit together and tell you how you should live your life. Scripture offers a different picture. The words of God offer a different picture of, of how this world is put together and how we should, in response, live our life. Philosophers of today operate with their own agenda. They're trying to accomplish something in what they're saying. In my mind, kingdom economy, kingdom living, letting God shape the way that we live our lives, we have to keep most carefully the very words of God as we find it in Scripture. Go to Scripture. Start there. Start by carefully dividing the word and spending time in the word that God has given us. The second thing the psalmist does when he goes to God, first of all, he, he recognizes the importance, the critical importance of going to Scripture and tending to it carefully. The second thing the psalmist does is confess. <laughs> Confession, confronted with the standard of God, confronted with this, this call to, to keep most carefully the word of God that is in front of the psalmist. His only right response is to confess. How I wish, how I wish I could live this way, how I wish I could allow Scripture to, to change me and motivate me in this way. <laughs> Have you noticed sometimes in our world how, how high standards, when, when we're called to high standards, our first reaction is not self-reflective, but to attack the standard. <laughs> expect me to live that way preacher come on that's impossible there's no way how can we believe that how can we live that way why do we sometimes do that why do i sometimes do that i think that's a defense mechanism i think that's a that's a way of of giving ourselves a, a way out giving ourselves an escape hatch saying but i'm, I'm just human which is true 
And yet, sometimes I think, I think, we need to be called to those high standards. That instead of shunning them, instead of blocking them out, instead of throwing up our hands and say, oh well, they can spur us on to growth and progress and new layers and, and levels of commitment in our lives. Here the psalmist looks inward not attacking the standard of God, not attacking the statutes and decrees and commandments that God has given. But he looks inward, desiring strength, freedom from shame. What a beautiful response to say, Lord, make me more this way. A kingdom response to the decrees of God. The final two verses, verses 7 and 8, form what I believe to be a, a goal set forth by the psalm. This, this, as we take a look at the, at the rest of this psalm, and, and I would challenge you, if, you're, if you like to read Scripture, <laughs> that's a trick question. Uh, if you like to read Scripture, I challenge you this week, find time to read the 119th psalm. It'll take less time than a football game to read through the psalm. I think the goal is set forth in these final two verses to learn from the righteous rules, to allow the word of God to settle in upon us and into our person, into that wholehearted person that we desire to be, to shape us and to form us. And to make this resolute proclamation, I don't think the psalmist had this figured out. I don't think the psalmist, whoever, whoever wrote this psalm, I don't think they had it perfect in their life. And yet, what do they say at the end? The first part of verse 8, I will keep your statutes. I resolve in my life to live this way. I will work. I will labor. I will allow your spirit to shape and form me because you know what? Freeburg is not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not consistent enough. I'm not going to get it done. But I'm going to allow the spirit of God to shape and form me by these words into the wholehearted person that I wish to be. And he ends with a plea. This is what shows that he's not perfect. He's not there. Please help. <laughs> Please don't leave me. Please don't leave me alone. I can't make it there on my own. I believe it's the cry of the psalmist to live in this, this alternate world. This alternate reality. This, this kingdom reality. That even in the Old Testament the nation of Israel was being invited into. And even in 2023, the people of Mountain Home are being invited into this alternate kingdom where scripture shapes our minds, where commandments and statutes guide our responses and shape how we desire to live. 
for 168 more verses <laughs> in acrostic format, the psalmist speaks to the value and wisdom and guidance and grace and peace and wholehearted living. That living according to Scripture can lead us into. As I'm honest with you, as I'm honest with you today, this, this picture of, of kingdom life is not simple. It's not an easy ask. <laughs> you, don't, you don't coast into it. Oh, maybe I'll land there today. Figure it out by saying, I wonder if this is going to happen today. It's a pursuit. It's an intentional pursuit and a passionate journey. <laughs> a journey. It is the journey the journey is the whole picture. In other words, we never arrive. We don't stop. Even Paul says, I continue to press on and on and on. One of my friends that I met with um, regularly in Centralia, <laughs> her question was... Trent, when do I get when do I get to coast? She was she was a little further on in years, and I loved I loved just chatting with her about what God was doing in her life. Her question was, I kind of thought I'd get here and, and I'd kind of get to slow down. God just keeps speeding me up. Like there's more to learn. There's more ways to grow. I, I'm I'm learning from my grandkids what it means to be careful and tender and sensitive in this world that feels even just a little more foreign each day. But I never want to stop growing. God still got me on this journey to live this kind of kingdom economy, this flipped over, upside down, totally opposite kind of way of life. You have to want it. You have to say, I will keep your statutes, God. Please don't leave me. <laughs> Don't leave me alone. I can't do it on my own. Our nature, our, our normal way of living, the way society will lead us is not going to get us toward kingdom economy. It's counter to the culture that we find in the world today. But the good news is we have a roadmap. The good news is that we have a way of getting there. And it's found in Scripture. For 176 verses in the 119th Psalm, we see the words and decrees and laws and instruction and precepts and statutes and commandments of God help us on this journey. Is our response... Oh, well, that's kind of, that's cool. Glad God did that for us. I got to check that out sometime. <laughs> or is our response, I will learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. God, please don't leave me. I need your help. But I'm going to dive in. I'm going to dive into what Scripture has for me. That's kingdom economy. And that's living as God would have us to live. 
one of the most beautiful ways that we celebrate this, this new kingdom, this new way of living is through the sacrament of communion. I love, I love communion. I love partaking in communion, but also offering communion to the worshiping body of Christ. Joining with, I, I say this often, today we, we join with believers around the globe today. Likely because of where we're located on the earth's surface, we're like some of the last to participate in this, this, these hours of worship that are kind of dedicated to setting it aside for God. It's been Sunday all the way around the globe and it's just coming back over the United States and we get to participate with thousands and thousands and millions and millions of believers today who've gathered around the table to partake of these elements and to remember the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A ritual where he tells us, remember this meal for it's meant to signify how we conquered, how we took over the world. No. It's meant to remember his broken body and his shed blood. And he says, as often as you do this, do it over and over and over and over again. Not because we're defeatists, not because we enjoy that our Messiah was crucified, but because it proclaims what God did and how he reached out to us and how he established for us the chance to have relationship with Christ, even in our lifetime. It's so, it's so upside down. It's so flipped from what the world expects. It's so different. I'm going to ask the praise team to come on forward and those who are prepared to help serve communion, if they would come forward to prepare for that time. As, as they come, I want to remind you that here in the Church of the Nazarene, we practice what's called open communion, um, which means anyone who's a follower of Jesus Christ, even, even today, if you say, I've never made a commitment to Christ, I've never walked with him, but today I want to turn my life over to Christ. I want to acknowledge I've gone my own direction, I've walked my own way, but today I choose to follow life, to order life as scripture invites me to, to order life and to follow Christ that way, then you too can participate with us today as we receive communion. As you come forward or come to one of the three stations that we'll have, there'll be two options. If you approach with hands just kind of open like this, we'll place a piece of gluten-free bread in your hands and you can dip it in the juice and partake of the elements right there. Um, at each station, we'll also have the option of some prepackaged elements that's in a little cup, and you can take one of those, return to your seat, and partake of the elements there. Either way, these elements represent for us this crazy idea that we're commemorating today, that the body of Jesus Christ was broken for you, and his blood was shed for you so that we might have relationship with him. What an upside-down picture of the kingdom of God. On the night that Christ was betrayed, he gathered with his disciples in an upper room, and they were celebrating the Passover meal. During that meal, he took bread. He kind of changed the order of things, which was very unique, very not something they did a lot. 
So he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after the meal, he took the cup and said, this cup is, is uh, the cup of the new covenant, which is filled with my blood that is poured out for you gave it to each of them and saying, take and drink. This is my blood shed for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. I'm going to say a brief prayer. As I do, we're going to serve the, uh, the worship team. And afterwards, I'm going to invite you to come to one of our stations to receive communion this morning. Lord, today, today we gather in your house to worship you and as we partake of these elements today God we just pray that you would uh, remind us again of the sacrifice that you made the sacrifice you made in order that we might be able to know you and to have relationship with you we thank you for your sacrifice we thank you for how you provided for us a way to know and to live and to be called your children. We pray today that these elements would become for us the very body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we might become for the world representations of the hands and feet of Christ. May that be true in our lives, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. The table is set, the invitation given. Come and dine. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church of the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us. And have a great week.